Hello, welcome to my secret obsession. Today we're talking with S.V. Brocious. She's an author with a romantic soul. She writes sweet and steamy romance with paranormal sci-fi themes, as well as soul-nurturing poetry. Harbinger's Princess is a steamy sci-fi romance, and Country Roads is a small-town romance on Kindle Vela. Her Valentine's Day release novel is Mountain Interlude, a paranormal romance novelette. S.V., thank you for joining us today. Before we get to the first two chapters of Mountain Interlude, would you share something about yourself or, or your writing process? Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, I appreciate the invite. Oh, we're glad um, to be here. My, thanks. Um, my process is, I just, I try to keep my inspiration fed, whether it be reading a lot, uh, watching movies, TV, listening to music. Um, I always have some kind of source. Uh, and sometimes it's nature too, uh, to give me ideas. And I have so many ideas that float around in my head and trying to pick one to, to work with is uh, difficult. But I, I love writing. It's so much fun. And I enjoy coming up with these tales and being able to explore a love story between a man and a woman and see where it goes. I try to throw some twists and turns into everything I write, so I don't want it to be boring. I also uh, like to be descriptive of, of setting, and I, I like to work in layers, so I'll kind of get my first draft going and then go back through and try to enhance maybe the dialogue, add some more detail to maybe character descriptions, uh, expressions. Then I go back through again and add whatever uh, else I can think of that might enhance the story. I have a, a editor that takes a look at everything that I've done. Oh, that's awesome that you have an editor too. I've written my novels in the past, not the Vela's, but when I've written a novel, I do spend, you know, it's at least seven times that I go over it, that, you know, I'm, I just get the rough draft. And then, you know, you're right, you, you add little things, you know, give the characters more depth or um, other things that they can say or something. It's, it is kind of fun. And it's fun to see how the book changes from your first rough yeah. draft to your final copy. So that is good, yes. exciting. When you have your editor look at it, does the editor actually make the changes or does the editor just have like suggestions? How does that work? Uh, I usually get uh, the manuscript or, or chapter, if it's a Kindle Mella, um, and it'll have red marks on it if it uh, was suggested changes. Um, and sometimes we discuss those if I feel like maybe it's uh, a little extreme or uh, where I have a question about it. Um, but I'm really thrilled when there's no red marks in, and I'm told that it's it's fine the way it is. So that's exciting. <laughs> that is. That's the way you want it to be. <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah. I did have um, uh, a reader or a friend of mine who um, did writing, and, and she would read over my uh, rough drafts. And, and it was really nice because she would give me ideas of how to, what I needed to strengthen or what didn't make sense. Um, you know, cause when you write it, it's in your head and you're, it all makes sense to you, but um, yes. making sure that it's going to make sense to a reader who doesn't have access to your head is important. You know, that's critical. <laughs> if you don't have that, you're in trouble. 
it it really helps to have another person take a look at your reading and or take a look at your writing, excuse me, and um, be able to give you feedback because yeah, and it, and it could be just a matter of perspective. Maybe your character has has this perspective, but then um, maybe it's not explained real well, and the editor can say, "Well, about this," and it's like, "Oh yeah, I didn't think about that." So it's very helpful. It is very helpful. Yeah, it's great. Well, um, I I read the first two chapters of Mountain Interlude, and I really liked it. I'm not sure oh. what I uh, that fox has me a little. Uh, I'm a little curious about the fox, and okay. I had an idea of what I thought the fox might be, but then I was like, I don't know. I don't think that can be the fox. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, mm, I don't know. At first, I had an idea, and then I was like, hey, I don't, I don't think so. And then I. I liked it. It was fun because, you know, this woman's trying to go on a vacation all by herself. You know, yeah. she wants to just relax and unwind. And then, of yeah. course, her car breaks down. So <laughs> yeah. uh, that that's scary. And, you know, we, without having any cell phone um, access, that really is kind of scary. And, you know, what do you do when you're on right. kind of an out of the way road and nobody's driving by? Um, it is really scary because when it's winter like that, you could you could end up freezing. And, um, you know, what do you do? Do you get out and you try to find help or, you know, is that even more dangerous because you're going to be even more exposed to the elements or so I, I kind of liked that, um, kind of concern that she kind of went through of, okay, you know, at first she seemed optimistic, like, Oh, somebody's going to come by, you know, and then yeah. it, it gets to that point of, huh, what am I going to do? And, um, that is kind of a scary thing. And yeah, I've never experienced that before. I've never been broken down like that in anything, but you know, and, and I have daughters who are driving now or on their way. And it, it is kind of, you know, even as a mom, you think, oh my gosh, um, yeah. if you know, you would never want your child to be stuck out there or be worried about them. So um, I like that. And then, you know, she, so she comes upon this, this house and um, the house sounds really pretty. Actually. I love the Victorians. <laughs> Yeah, I imagined it as this just this really just uh or at least it was gorgeous once upon a time and it's just kind of fallen into into tatters. Yep. Um so she meets this man and it's kind of interesting about to him and uh I'm curious to see what his background story is a little bit more cuz we do meet him in the second chapter and we get a little bit about him and um yeah. not a whole lot though. So, um, it's kind of we just get a taste no. of um, his character. Right. When you came yeah. up with these characters, were you basing them off of anybody you know? Like, do you think, like, does one have the personality of someone you know, or you know, or are they just purely made up? A lot of times uh, when I am creating uh, what character looks like, I'll take two two actors or actresses and kind of smush them together and yeah. like, okay, I like the love this one. And then mix it with this one. Um, and that's kind of how I envisioned the man. I, I actually had uh, Michael Pere. He was an actor in the 80s, big in the 80s. I had him in mind when I was writing uh, the character. He was on the movie uh, In the Cruisers and Streets of Fire. I don't know if I saw those movies. That's too bad. Because his name, when you said it, it does sound familiar to me, but I just couldn't picture him in my head. I think I keep kind of losing you a little bit. Are you on a computer or a phone? I'm on a laptop. Yeah. And I don't know if the internet connection keeps going or what's going on. 
I know when I write, like with the thing with actors, that's kind of what I do is I, I think of visualize someone. Um, and I go, that goes with like every character. Cause otherwise it's kind of can be confusing. What, what did I say about this guy? <laughs> what color hair does this guy have? Or what eyes does he have? Yeah. So it's just easier when I choose yeah. an actor and say, yeah. okay, this is kind of in my head, what I see when I look at him or her, I do I'm that for the women also. I have a folder on my laptop of, I call them inspirational picks and I'll download pictures of, you know, whatever actors and actresses I'm thinking of for my characters and then just kind of save those and I'll reflect to if I'm uh, needing some more detail. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea. That's the way I do it too. It just makes it easier that way. Um, yeah. So was there anything about Mountain Interlude? Like what, prompted you to to write this um like was there something did you hear a story about somebody who did get a band you know got run run down off the road or whatever or did you just kind of say oh that sounds like that would be an exciting thing i actually was by colorado back uh, last april when i was going to readers take denver so my my friend has a a house very very deep in the mountains so I was making my way to see her, and I and shy enough to let me see her. Uh, the mountains are just gorgeous, and I started having this idea of, well, what what's hidden in the mountains that nobody can see? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I thought that would be kind of it's, I mean, kind of creepy, but sort of magical at the same time. And I remember actually seeing a fox cross the road. So that's Neat. where the idea came from um, i had recently been listening to some old dolly Parton, and she did a song called joshua uh-huh. and it's a kind of a mountain man type person that sort of lives by himself and she kind of comes across him one day and and right. i'm also a big i'm a big twilight zone fan so there's a lot okay. of unusual paranormal stuff going on in this story yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Very good. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking that the fox might be one of that uh, paranormal type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's great. I love the fact that you can connect this to like one of your vacations or a trip where you were you were in the mountains driving around and and those yeah. roads can be so curvy and almost kind of dangerous at times. That's kind of adds to the uh, excitement too of this story, not knowing what's mm-hmm. what's around that bend. What are you going to run into? Well, thank you yeah. um, for joining us today. Um, is there anything else you wanted to share with us about either your writing or your books or maybe tell us where we can find you on the internet? Yeah, um, I'm I'm on most social media. Uh, my website, which is www.svbrochessauthor.com. I try to keep that updated. Um, you can see I've done like, I've done three poetry books, uh, one novel, which is a Vampire Romance, oh. The Darkness of Day, and Nettable and Ebook. Um, I've also done two Kindle Vellas. I've got two two new Kindle Vellas in the works. And so you can find me on Amazon uh, Kindle Vella. And also uh, did a poetry slash short story book called Duality. And that's available on Kindle Unlimited uh, and Payback is on Amazon. What are your poems about? Like, uh, my first poem, uh, 
poetry book is called On Her Side the Cosmos, and it's it's mostly uh, love poetry because I pulled out some of my old poems I'd written back in high school and college. Well, poetry is such a revelation of the heart and the mind. You know, when people are really bearing their bearing their heart and their soul, they're expo- allowing themselves to be exposed through that. And and it's interesting how you said how you you know talked about your breakups and stuff. And it made me instantly. I thought of Taylor Swift and how we kind <laughs> yes. of went to Taylor Swift since she was a teenager to now, yeah. and how her 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 stories are so often, or her songs are so often almost like little clips of, you know, relationships that maybe she's been a part of or stories that she's heard or things. So it's interesting how I think that is very common for, for authors and um, musicians to draw from their life to come up with ways to connect with people. And it it is, it is scary to be that honest and open Mm -hmm. with well, with anything that you write, it's uh, you're you are bearing your soul and and putting your heart on the line. So it's right. it's exciting and scary at the same time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's yeah. it's definitely worth doing. And you know, you can have a positive influence in people's lives by giving them maybe a voice that maybe they didn't realize that they connected with or understood, and and now suddenly maybe they can have a better understanding of their own thoughts or experiences when they're going through those similar, similar struggles. Yes. And that, that is something I always hope for is, you know, if, if one of my poems can kind of help someone who's going through a tough time, then that that's rewarding. For <laughs> so, sure. Well, no. I noticed for people who are listening, if you look at SV Brocious's um, Amazon site or Amazon books, I think you have eight. And then this, Mountain Interlude looks like this might be your ninth book that you're releasing. So there's plenty of different options there that you can read. And um, it looks like there's going to be something for everybody with your. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of a multi-genre romance author. So I I like to I, I like to kind of explore different things. Um, so one of my one of my favorite. Um, favorite is like protector hero i love writing about um him the big strong man type (laughs) Mm -hmm. no that is a popular one and when if you're doing those like i'm thinking like with the big strong masculine man are you doing like are they romantic suspense or, or are they still mostly um more romantic rather than the scary thriller side or yeah well I, I dabble a little bit in thriller suspense, but not a whole lot. Um, I do like, like I said, like to put twists and turns in my stories. Um, but majority of my work is in the, like the paranormal sci-fi realm. I do love writing uh, redemption arcs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a common theme in some of my stories. And, uh, and I just am, grateful that I can write as much as I do. I'm uh, just very, very blessed to be able to do that. Well, awesome. Well, and you have a real talent with it and a real skill. So thank you for um, coming on here and talking to us about what you do with your writing. If they join your newsletter, um, how do they get access to that? They go to your website? Yeah, there's a sign up on my website. Uh, I also have a link to it on uh, Linktree. Okay. So you uh, sign up and the ebook will release on Valentine's Day uh, along with the paperback, which will be available on Amazon. 
Awesome. And I will post um, some information on SV on my website too. So that maybe people can link, can get to you from there also for um, my listeners. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been fun. It was wonderful having you. And um, to the listeners, we're going to hear Mountain Interlude. Thank you. Mountain Interlude, a paranormal romance novelette by S.V. Brosius. Chapter 1. I didn't see it coming. All because of that slut. The brutal ending of my marriage surprised me, just like the sudden jagged turn on the secluded mountain road. Every ounce of anger courses down my leg as I drift and punch the accelerator. Twelve years and two daughters later, I find myself driving to a vacation home I rented in the middle of nowhere. Eager and in desperate need of solitude, I am prepared to celebrate my upcoming 44th birthday with me, myself, and I. No schedule. No responsibilities. It's nice. Another hairpin turn challenges me as I maneuver this one a little less gracefully. It's a good thing no other cars were coming the other direction. My entire marriage, motherhood, and career has required that I give all of me and more. Normally, I would be celebrating this time of year with my co-workers and friends, partying until midnight with endless shots of tequila. But now, I am grateful for the solace. I only have me to take care of. No one left to disappoint. No one left to dictate my worth to me or make me feel shitty. This is my time. The midday sunlight is interspersed between the scattered snow clouds. I can almost feel the wintry chill in the February air, despite my car's heater blazing warmth through the interior. When I gaze at the pine trees lining the roadside, the imagined scent of Christmas fills my nostrils. I can almost imagine a herd of reindeer making their way through the sparse forest, but preferably not straight into my windshield as I come around the bend. Despite my better judgment, I push the pedal down even harder. Resentment. Oh, that doesn't even begin to describe the harsh feelings I carry with me in my self-imposed solitude. John had practically stolen my daughters from me, throwing money that I didn't have at them, so he would look like the hero. And then there is his new girlfriend, who is barely out of college, and doesn't seem to realize that adultery is frowned upon by most people. Never mind the thought of her becoming any semblance of a stepmother to my girls makes me want to vomit. He threw away everything we had together, for what? A gold-digging slut with the bedroom skills of a high-priced hooker? Somehow, my husband's values changed, and mine didn't. I will never know why. My Christian upbringing tells me that I should forgive her, and him. And I'm not there yet. I need more time. They deserve a long and fiery... What's that? I swerved my little blue SUV and nearly spin out. That's no reindeer. When I'm able to focus... I realized that I nearly missed a red fox, who now stands off to the side of the road. My foot immediately hits the brake, and I pull over to get a better look. The sound of crunching gravel under my tires indicates that I've hit the shoulder, and I'm no longer on the well-worn pavement. When I stick my head out the window into the cold wind, he is staring at me, as if I have some nerve interrupting his leisurely walk. My hand covers my fast-beating heart, as I try to regain a normal breathing pattern. You scared the crap out of me. I watch him as I am expecting him to speak at any moment. Oddly, he doesn't turn away and continues to watch me. 
I study his beautiful red fur and cute little face. Laughing to myself, I nod to him and say, Be careful next time, okay? He cocks his head, and I'm amazed that he appears to be listening to me. You are crazy, Maisie. I pull my head back inside to the warmth of the car. Once I roll up my window, I shift into drive. It moves a few inches, sputters, then dies. The heater is still blowing, and the radio is still on. Not the battery. I turn the key, and it fires up, but immediately dies again. After three more tries, the realization that I am stuck here sinks in. When I reach for my cell phone, I immediately see no bars on the display. No signal. No service. My finger angrily pushes the hazard button on the dashboard. I throw the phone down on the passenger seat and slam my palms onto the steering wheel. Urgh! I scream as I forcefully lean my head back against the headrest. My eyes squeeze shut as I contemplate my situation. So much for my relaxing birthday getaway. I know the basics of survival. My back seat contains an emergency bag with two bottles of water, a box of free granola bars from the last rehab facility I worked at, a flashlight, a small first aid box, and a blanket. When I open my eyes, I see small, wispy snowflakes gently falling on my windshield. The fox is still visible in my rearview mirror. He is happily dining on some small creature that had the misfortune of crossing his path. Grateful that I can't see what he's eating, I decide to eat one granola bar to calm my nerves and give me something to do. The blue label wrapped around it says, Sailing Seas Short-Term Rehab Facility. We're ready to get you in ship shape. I chuckle at the horrible, unclever slogan. To save the car battery, I turn off the power, wondering how quickly it will get cold inside the car. My last stop before driving up this mountain was to a remote gas station with a mediocre coffee bar. I grab the styrofoam cup from the cup holder and am relieved that the coffee inside is still warm. Thank God I'm going to be okay. Until I need to pee. My eyes scan the surrounding mountainside. There is a small grove of bushes within walking distance. It looks like sagebrush. Just enough to protect my modesty if someone happens to drive by. Unless it's inhabited by anything that will bite. I will be using the location as my bathroom. As I chew on my granola bar, I am reminded of the fact that I am alone. Except, this time, it isn't comforting. The clock moves slowly as I begin to lose hope that anyone will pull over and help me. I would think roadside assistance would be common on treacherous roads like these. My blanket is covering my body and I have been turning the heat on and off in intervals. I realize that the sun will soon set and I won't have any light. Being cold and in the dark is downright frightening. Even though I have a flashlight, it's of little comfort. When I scan my surroundings once again, I see the fox has consumed everything it could off the mystery animal and is now curled up next to a rock, sound asleep. As if the sun were purposely illuminating a new area for me to see, I notice a small pathway between the large boulders, just narrow enough to be missed the first time. As I run out of options, I decide to repack my emergency bag and put my phone in my pocket and vacate the car. I wish I could take my bags, but where will I put them? I'll exhaust myself by trying to carry extra weight. When I approach the fox, it wakes up, unstartled, and casually walks the way I planned to go, as if he was waiting for me. I'm letting a fox lead me around. What the hell? I've lost my mind. 
The golden sunlight shines a bright beacon down through the monstrous boulders and onto the grassy pathway. I proceed with caution and lose sight of the fox. The mist becomes thicker, gathering and rising around my ankles with each forward step. The scent of damp earth invades my nose. Lingering raindrops kiss my exposed skin. Soon, I can't see anything in front of me. I stop and wait, the noise of my quickening heartbeat and sound of my panicked breaths keeping me immobile. A crow caws overhead. Leaves rustle next to me. Scampering paws brush past my feet. Is anyone there? I ask in a timid voice. Silence. Wind gusts blow over my face, whipping my long hair into a frenzy. I grasp my upper arms and look around frantically, desperate to glimpse anything recognizable. It feels as if a large fan is blowing across the path, clearing the mist, and revealing a Victorian-style home badly in need of repairs. Chipped paint along the wood siding indicates that it used to be adorned in midnight blue and an ivory trim. I take a few paces closer until I reach the bottom step. The rhythmic thumping sound in the distance causes me to turn to the right. Curiosity leads me to a grove of sycamore trees nearby. In the center, a tall man is chopping wood with a large axe. I walk carefully towards him until I am within earshot, relieved to see another human being. I still can't get a good look at him. Excuse me. He ignores me and continues his work. I take a few steps closer. I'm sorry to bother you, but I need your help. Finally, he stops and looks up from his task. Piercing eyes, the color of a perfect summer sky, slowly widen as if he recognizes me. I am certain I have never seen him before in my life. I would never forget a man that looks like a men's fitness cover model. His straight brown hair is thick and stays in place, except for a few locks that dangle enticingly over his forehead. A short, neatly trimmed beard graces his perfect jawline. I'm guessing he is in his late twenties or early thirties. His expression is not friendly. In fact, he is starting to scowl at me. With the axe still in hand, he comes towards me. That's when I run. Chapter 2 I race to the front porch of the Victorian house and am thrilled to find the front door unlocked. Once inside, I flip the deadbolt and quickly scan the living room I find myself in. There is a fireplace on one wall, with the standard tools in a rack near the hearth. Several framed pictures grace the mantel, but I don't have time to examine them. I grab the poker and wait for the axe-wielding maniac to come after me. When footsteps sound on the floorboards, just outside the door, I ready my weapon and prepare to defend myself. All I wanted was a nice vacation by myself. Now here I am dealing with a psycho killer. Girls, I'm so sorry. Maybe your mom really is the loser your dad thinks she is. The doorknob jiggles, then stops. A pause. Then a knock? Why are you knocking? Isn't this your house? I shout with the bravest voice I can muster. There is another pause before he responds. Lady, you better have a good reason to be here. I didn't expect his voice to be that low, or to have a subtle New York accent. Brooklyn, maybe? My heart continues to pound ferociously. I try my best not to stutter. My car broke down. You can walk over to the other side of the mountain and see for yourself. Not an option, he bites out. Who are you and where do you come from? 
He still sounds angry. Maisie Collins. I'm a nurse aide from Grand Island, Nebraska. Where were you heading? His voice had calmed a bit. I rented a vacation house near Sedalia. I don't know why my car died. It's not the battery. Um, if you know how to fix it, I'll pay you, and I can be on my way. Out of your hair. Just please don't kill me. I have two little girls at home, Marla and Megan. He makes an unexpected noise. Is that a huff of disgust? Single mother? Divorced? Why? His voice is accusatory, immediately putting me on the defensive. This guy has a lot of balls to ask me that. I savor the rising anger in me as the perfect way to quell the fear in my gut. Why do you want to know? It's none of your business, and I really don't want to talk about it. Images of my daughter's faces when they find out their mother died flit through my mind. Morbid thoughts won't get you through this, Maisie. Unless you'll spare me if I do. My abrasive tone shifts as I realize I sound pathetic trying to plead for my life. It's deadly quiet while I wait to hear his voice again. When he resumes, speaking to me, he almost sounds reasonable. All right. For the sake of your kids, I'm putting my axe down. Listen. The loud thump and clang of the weapon falling on the porch makes me jump. You'll be sorry if I find out you're lying to me. I scrunch my eyebrows. Something tells me I'm not the only one afraid here. Are you a fugitive or something? I'm something. He replies with exasperation. How do I know I can trust you? You can't hurt me if you're thinking about stabbing me with the fire poker. How did he know that? The window is completely covered by heavy drapes. X-ray vision? I keep the poker at my side and slowly walk to the door. My desperation to solve this whole mystery overtakes my genuine fear as I announce, Okay, I'm turning the deadbolt only because I want answers. Open the door, Maisie. I'm not going to hurt you. Something about the way my name sounds coming from him causes my fear meter to descend a few inches. When I slowly pull the door open, our eyes meet, and I am immediately captivated. We stand unmoving for a moment. I continue to breathe heavier than normal. My grip becomes sweaty on the handle of the poker. Am I allowed to know your name? His jaw ticks, and I am awestruck by his handsomeness. He seems agitated but not in a dangerous way. Are you going to help me with my car, Tony? He shakes his head. I can't. Oh, I get it. You must be one of those guys that doesn't know much about cars. I snicker in a feeble attempt to lighten the tension. He ignores my statement and walks inside. Looking around as if he's never seen his home before, Tony exhales a long sigh, then runs his hand through his hair, as if he's had a bad day, Tony sits down on the couch and leans his arms on his thighs. When he looks up at me, his expression tells me that he's given up on being suspicious of me. I thought you were someone else. I'm sorry if I scared you, Maisie. A hint of a smile tugs at his shapely lips, and I try to smile back. It doesn't work. He sounds sincere, but I'm not ready to trust him. I cross my arms and stare down at him. Do you live here alone? Yeah, it's always just me. 
He leans back and puts his hands behind his head, tipping his chin at me. He tilts his head towards the empty seat next to him. I shrug and slowly sit next to him, keeping as much distance from him as I can. His gaze roams over me as if he hasn't laid eyes on another person in a long time. Tony finally states, Nah, you're not her. Who? My ex-girlfriend. Is that why you were threatening me with an axe? Is she a psycho or something? Ex-wife. I narrow my eyes at his watchful gaze. I'm confused. I had an affair while I was married. So, I had a girlfriend and a wife at the same time. His declaration is monotone. Nodding my understanding and feeling disappointed in this stranger, I reply, I see. You're just like my ex-husband. His eyebrow quirks up. He had a girlfriend while he was married to you? I wring my hands as they rest in my lap. I can't look at him. Yep. She's young and pretty. More exciting than me, apparently. Tony sits up and leans over to me. Alarm bells start to go off in my head and I catch a whiff of his cologne. Obsession by Calvin Klein. It was my favorite men's scent when John and I were dating. He wore it for me until he began his affair. I didn't know it then, but it was the start of little changes he made to his habits. I was too busy with my job and the kids to notice. Bastard. Maisie, look at me. I squeeze my eyes shut. The cool touch of his fingers on my jaw forced me to open my eyes and meet his gorgeous face. I was an idiot. Your ex is an idiot. Got it? All I can do is nod. His hand slowly drops into his lap. I shake myself out of the temporary daze I am in and frantically look around the room. What time is it? There are no clocks here. I start to laugh. Come on. You've got to have a clock somewhere. I get off the couch and walk to the kitchen. The time on the range reads zero, 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 zero. So does the microwave. As I stare at the appliances, I realize they are old and look like what my parents had when I was a kid. When I turn towards the doorway and see Tony, I say, You weren't kidding. How about upstairs? Maisie, don't. Don't what? I need to know what time it is. I try to move past him, but he blocks me with his muscular arm. When I crane my neck to look up at him, my angry words melt into a pathetic whisper as I lose myself in his blue gaze. What's going on? She ain't prettier than you. I force the words out as my breath catches in my throat. All thoughts of looking for a clock halt instantly. What are you talking about? The girlfriend? I scoff. How do you know? You've never seen her. His voice wavers, then softens to a regret-filled whisper. The wife is the real prize. Always. For one stupid moment in time, he forgot. He moves his hand to my dark hair, stroking it gently. The smell he weaves transfixes me so that all rational thought is whisked away into the unknown mist outside. Tony, I sigh before his lips capture mine. Thank you for sharing your time with me. I hope that you enjoyed the first two chapters of Mountain Interlude. We were having a few technical difficulties, so please forgive any blips you may have heard. You can go to the Meistergert Obsession website to access S.V. Brocious's Linktree. 
To keep up with the various novels and authors that we feature, you can follow My Secret Obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively, or visit the website at tinyurl.com slash Cherish Lively. Goodbye.